Welcome to the CCW Safe Podcast with Rob High and Phil Naiman. Hi, I want to welcome everybody to the CCW Safe Podcast. I'm Rob High in Oklahoma City, joined by Philip Naiman, my co-host. How are you, Phil? Doing great, Rob. You're in Oklahoma City today, but uh, you just got in from a, a, quite a few trips there, didn't you? Yeah, I did. We, uh, we've been on the road hooked up pretty busy. Um, Stan and I did a training course out in California four weeks ago. We followed that up with uh, Mickey Shook's uh, S12 out at, uh, close to Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, immediately turned around and get, went down to Houston for the NRA conference, their annual meeting. And uh, we just finished last week in New York City with the uh, Secret Services Anti-Terrorism Summit. So really busy, but I am home for a bit and happy to be back. So how about you? What's, what's going on? Well, we're just, you know, same thing. We're busy, busy with the radio show, busy with the office, busy with life. Uh, everybody's busy these days, and we're all looking at uh, world events and staying as busy as we can, I think, is uh, the key to that, right? Key to surviving that. For sure. Um, speaking of, uh, Sunday, June 12th, state of Ohio comes on board as another state to offer constitutional carry, and I'd like to talk about that a little bit with you today, and kind of explain what that is and the kind of coverages that we're able to offer for for people that opt to exercise their rights uh, in a constitutional carry state. In other news tonight, gun owners who don't want to get a concealed carry permit no longer have to in Ohio. It's a big change that Governor Mike DeWine just signed into law tonight. WLWT News Stephen Stephen Albritton breaks down the new law and what exactly all of this means to you. Hi there. Hey, Sheree, new rules are in effect in Ohio when it comes to carrying guns. Governor Mike DeWine put pen to paper today, making Senate Bill 215 law. This law now makes a concealed weapons permit optional for anyone legally allowed to carry a gun. Also, if approached by a police officer, they won't have to promptly notify them that they are carrying a concealed weapon. They will only have to if asked. Reaction was swift from both sides. Law enforcement groups and Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America opposed the bill, along with the Ohio Democratic Party, who said in part, quote, by signing this bill into law, Mike DeWine has sold out Ohioans and law enforcement officers to special interest groups and extremists in the legislature. This bill will make all Ohioans less safe. On the other side, the Buckeye Firearms Association says this new legislation falls in line with our Second Amendment rights, saying Governor DeWine made a campaign promise to Buckeye Firearms Association and to Ohio's four million gun owners that he would sign a constitutional carry bill if it was put on his desk and he has fulfilled this promise, end quote. Now, in this bill, you can still apply for a concealed permit, which would then allow you to carry in other states that recognize out-of-state concealed carry. According to Buckeye Firearms, Ohio joins 21 other states with similar legislation. Stephen Albritton, WLWT News 5. Yeah, that is uh, that's something the, the that... Shock, the most shocking thing about that story, honestly, was a politician said he was going to do something and he did it. I mean, that's, 
that should have been the news story, not so much the, the you know everything else. But he actually made the promise and followed through on it. That that was the most uh, impressive part of that entire story, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar with this, um, constitutional carry just basically means that it's a permitless state. You're not required to go through their licensing process. You don't have to go down and give your fingerprints and things like that. Um, it's, it's something that has really been pressed as something that's going to make the world a whole lot more dangerous. Um, thus far, that's not played out anywhere. Um, it's people with a unrealistic fear of a firearm. Um, you know, we see these places that get affected and are soft targets when when we post no firearms. Uh, you know, we, it, it makes school buildings soft targets. Uh, it makes uh, you know, federal you buildings. Yeah, federal buildings. You can't go into a club. You can't go into other places carrying a firearm. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is the the fact that it's very incumbent on you if you select to exercise this right in a constitutional carry state to understand the laws locally where you are. Um, as I mentioned, Ohio goes on board. Um, June 12th, um, Indiana comes in line uh, July 1st, and Alabama is already set to put it into law on January 1 of next year. Um, you have to know that as a, as a constitutional carrier, if I'm carrying concealed, if I'm contacted by law enforcement, I need to make uh, a notification to them immediately that, you know, I'm, I'm exercising my rights. I, I have a, a firearm. This is where it's at, and and ask them how you would like to proceed. Um, I never felt threatened by anybody that advised me ahead of time that they were carrying a gun. Um, right. I always appreciated that. That you know, now we're we're have that mutual understanding, and and if I was uncomfortable, I could remove the firearm or whatever else. Um, there was an interesting uh, announcement that was on that news clip. They said that you were not, and under this law, you were not required to tell law enforcement that you were carrying a firearm. I just think my own personal best practices, I would rather, you know, you're stopped for a traffic accident or, or something like that. I'd just say, listen, I, I am carrying it's so-and-so uh, on my body as opposed to him seeing your profile or something like that or be surprised i think surprising a police officer uh, unless it's like a birthday party is probably not a really good idea <laughs> I, I would i would advise you know just hey you're above the law not you're above the law you're not breaking the law you're a good guy you know or gal let's just say hey it's, it's over here and i understand rights of privacy um, but I don't want somebody to accidentally get hurt because of a misunderstanding that you just didn't want to tell him you were carrying appendix wise and he asked for your car keys and you put your hand in your pocket and you know, just bad things happen. Right. So, I mean, you're, you're the investigator. Wouldn't you advise coming up front and saying, folks, this is, this is a better practice. It, it would be my, 
my choice if I had one. Um, I know anytime I'm stopped on traffic or have any kind of other contact with, with law enforcement, if I have a firearm on me, that's the first thing I'll let them know. Um, there's other states, that's what I was talking about. You know, it, it, it's your responsibility uh, to know the, the laws where you live. Um, like Texas, for instance, um, has made it to where it is far more open for a law enforcement officer to come up. And I don't even need a, a reason to make contact. I see that you, you're carrying a firearm and I can immediately come up and start asking you about it. Um, Ohio has gone exactly the opposite direction with that. Um, it's, you know, you, you have to understand what, what different states are as far as your obligation to leave someplace if you're asked to leave uh, and what their requirements are as far as posting or uh, things like that, that, you know, as a business owner, I, I have that right to, to say, I don't want people in my business. Uh, if it's a state that has a law in place that you're going to be arrested, if you're breaking, uh, you know, breaking their law, as far as your presence in a prohibited area with a firearm, uh, there's other places that Really, it's not anything more than they just have to have to come up and ask you to leave. And if you don't, you can be arrested for trespassing. Um, you know, the other prohibitions, you know, anytime you're going to talk about carrying a firearm, you have to be uh, legally permitted to own a firearm. You can't be a prohibited yeah, I person. I think that's a really big, important thing. And I know in your, in your coverage, you go over that too, is, um, and I think that's a, a great advantage the uh, Texas law over the Ohio, if I could be so bold as to, to pick them apart. Um, if you were an officer and you knew that somebody was nefarious and you saw them carrying uh, outside, uh, outside the waistband or something of that nature, but you couldn't under the law, contact them because you saw the gun. I think that would be a very dis large disservice to law enforcement in general. You know, if, if it's a prohibited person, and I, I am as I am super pro Second Amendment, except for prohibited persons. I think that violent felons should not have firearms. I'm sorry, that's just that's my personal preference. It's not CCW safe's thing, but I can take it up with me. I just think that if they're a violent felon, I really don't want them carrying guns all over the place. They seem to have a super small, super small minority of people that commit the super majority of crimes. And I would rather, I'd rather not have them on the streets, to be honest with you. Yeah, but that's, that's those are the guys that are carrying anyway. Um, yeah. And why, why restrict law enforcement from being able to correct that situation? Right. Um, you know, other things are if, if I've been, depending on the state, again, uh, if I've been convicted of an assault that results in serious bodily injury, if I've been convicted of aggravated assault, if I have a restraining order against me, if there's uh, a conviction for a domestic assault and battery, um, 
all of those are things that, that go into place that prevent me from legal ownership of a, of a firearm. Um, so, you know, you have to understand that, that you're not breaking the law to, to try to exercise this right. It's no longer your right once you've, once you've been arrested and convicted of those types of crimes. Um, you know, one of the things that, that we uh, talk about all the time is, is having a means to go about and figure out what the laws are in your area. Uh, you know, Gary and I get calls all the time asking for, for advice or, you know, and we can't give legal advice. Uh, we can tell you what, what uh, things are in Oklahoma. Um, we can talk about um, how I would have wanted something to be handled uh, in a law enforcement capacity when I was active duty. Um, <clears throat> we can go into... We can uh, talk about the uh, 537 pages of firearms laws for California. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. <laughs> um, but it's your responsibility as a carrier and a, and a gun owner in that state to have a working knowledge of, of what those things are. Um, you know, state by state by state, we've got restrictions on on magazine capacity or whether or not you can have a, a red dot on your gun or a laser or anything else. Um, those are things that are, are, are incumbent, like I said earlier, on you to know. And even as, as a, a really, really red state, um, like Oklahoma, where we have really generous handgun laws, and I can travel from point A to point B going cross country, and I have to know what the laws are in those states that I'm traveling through. Uh, hi, guys. This is Justin. I'm content manager, podcast producer. I just wanted to jump in and kind of uh, reiterate a little what Rob said there. We always get questions about people call us want to know, what can I do where I'm at? And you know, Philip said it, how many 500 some pages just in California? And I imagine if you go to different counties and different cities, those laws even change. Um, and then, so the biggest thing that we tell people or I tell people is you have to know what, really know what the laws are, where you're at. Because mm -hmm. no matter what expert you ask, if they don't live where you live and actually know what the laws really are, because they always change, um, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure there. So it's kind of incumbent, like that's part of the response. I look at it as part of the responsibility. If you're going to carry a gun and you want to, and you want to stay legal and you should, then you just kind of got to put in the time to figure out where you live, what are the laws? Because you drive a hundred miles anyway, and they could really easily change, especially depending on what state you live in. So I just want to jump take, in take a look at this. Say, um, Let's say that it, I'm going on a hunting trip. So I'm leaving from Southern California, taking the 15. I'm heading out to Wyoming or Colorado, right? So California, I've got my CCW. Life is good. I cross over uh, in Prim, Nevada, and I'm in Cook County, Nevada. I can't carry. So all of a sudden, if I just come across that state line and I get pulled over with one of those seven or 800 CHPs they have, or Nevada Highway Patrols they have waiting for you. Hey, your life can materially change with that 
situation because you just crossed over and you crossed over doing 75 miles an hour. So what are you going to do? You're going to manipulate your gun, put your gun lock. You know, there's there's issues that that causes. And knowing that ahead of time, um, Las Vegas does not allow the very un CCW friendly if you're not from there. And, you know, they've had issues. So, again, just like you said. And then, of course, if you when you leave that county, you hit Mesquite or go back into Utah, it's not, it's not an issue. Colorado is not an issue. Wyoming not an issue. Not, Wyoming's really not an issue. But there's that one zone in there. Um, you know, uh, Rex Defense, he comes out and does some classes with us, and he hates it because he goes, look, I, I feel naked coming to California because I don't know what, what law I'm going to step on doing one thing, you know, and. So it's important to know where you're going and the transit corridors you're going through. I lived in Vegas for uh, about I'm 10 sorry. years. Yeah, I didn't. I, it's a great, actually, it's an amazing place for guns and shooting. Um, yeah, it is. There's a tremendous amount of, of, of like good ranges. and But I used to travel to California a few times a year to do events. And same way, man, I hated it. I take like a J frame or a, a revolver or something to keep in the hotel because I, I didn't even want to risk taking anything with a magazine. Yeah. It was just, Folks, it, if you don't, if you don't know, um, Justin, if you haven't met him, he's about, he's about six foot 14, <laughs> um, giant, giant of a man. And to see him with a J frame, I would actually pay money for that because <laughs> his but, hands like a, like a loading pallet. So yeah, I'd like to see him run, run a J frame. But yeah, that's and that's something I used to. It always kind of blew my mind, and it's just, you, you mentioned it there as well. Was I can be 100% legal on one side of the line, an arbitrary line, and what I walked around with every day in Las Vegas for 10 years. You know, as soon as you cross that line, you're a felon. Yeah, and your life changes instantly. And it's your, and, you know, and yeah, we can sit here and talk about how stupid that is and how crazy, but still it's reality to deal with. That's what, that's what we live with. So, you know, to you me, know, and, I, and knowing I've, the laws seen, goes back to responsibility. Right. You know, and there's been some guys in California that we've talked to and um, obviously just in conversations, they've just said, well, you know, the second amendment is my carry permit. It's like, well, I, I agree, but you're going to have an issue. You know, mm -hmm. you're, it's true. That is your, your carry permit. I'm 100% agreement. But in today's laws, this is what that's going to cost you. You know, if you want to push that, just get your permit. Yeah, I, like, I, when I moved to Oklahoma, which was three or four years ago, it was right as they had passed constitutional carry. And uh, I still don't have an Oklahoma permit. I need to get one. I've been meaning to get one just because it makes life easier when I go to Texas or somewhere else. But it was constitutional carry is awesome. And yeah. I think it's personally, it's I don't think, yeah, I don't think you're going to see, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of people that weren't carrying before constitutional carry start carrying after there'll be some, Yeah, <clears throat> but I think what constitutional carry does a lot of places is a lot of people that were carrying before constitutional carry, now they just don't have to worry so much. You know, for whatever reason, you know, whatever reason somebody chooses not to get a permit. Um, but 
you, you mentioned that's one always been one of the things. Like I remember back in Florida when they first did concealed carry permits. I think it was in the 80s, um, and that was because I remember growing up. I grew up in Ohio, grew up in Cincinnati, and it was you couldn't hardly. The only way I remember back then you could carry was if you were some sort of LE or you were able to get some sort of special permit if you dealt in like large amounts of cash, you were a delivery guy, you made deposits at night from a business, you had some, you had to justify it. Um, it wasn't shall issue. And that was the outlook. And, and people lost their mind when Florida came out and, and started issuing CCWs. Yeah, they right. say there's going to be blood in the streets and all this other stuff. And what happened? That didn't happen, but their crime rate dropped. Right. And, right. you know, it, it was so. And that was, yeah, I mean, that was the cocaine wars and all that stuff in the 80s. Um, hey, Rob, maybe we should just go through, we're throwing out the term constitutional carry. Mm -hmm. you know, so what exactly does that mean? Um, you know, there's my understanding, your understanding, but uh, I think the official is basically that you're able to carry a firearm for self-defense without, if you are a legally, uh, a non-prohibitive person, I should say, uh, carry a firearm for self-defense in legal areas uh, without having to go through a CCW and background check. Is that pretty much clean it on is. that? Yeah, it, it's permitless. It, it's releasing me of the responsibilities of having to go through all those things. But um, as you said earlier, each state or each county can actually have their own restrictions on yeah. where you can carry. Um, for instance, in, in most states, you know, if you were at a church service, you could carry your firearm. In California, if your church has a school, you can't. You know, just ridiculous things like that. You just need to understand your local... Yeah, anyway... Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Um, we're going to take a quick break here, uh, get a little word from, from our friend Don West, and when we come back, I'd like to discuss uh, what we've done as far as the constitutional carry plans and, and some of the coverages we can offer for you guys. So we will be right back. Thank you. Hi, I'm Don West, National Trial Counsel for CCW Safe and a board-certified criminal trial lawyer. <clears throat> the financial cost of defending a self-defense case involving serious injury or death may surprise you. I know this firsthand from personal experience. Attorney's fees alone can be several hundred thousand dollars, but that's not all. You need money, and plenty of it, for private investigators, expert witnesses, and of course to pay the bail bond company so you can get out of jail. All this could easily add up to four or five hundred thousand dollars or more especially if it's a high-profile case. Without the money you need to put on your best defense, you're at a terrible disadvantage to an aggressive prosecutor, and consequently you have a greater risk of being wrongfully convicted. That's why CCW Safe doesn't put limits on attorney's fees or trial expenses like most other plans do. So, when comparing companies, take a minute, read the fine print, you can be confident that with CCW Safe, the money will be there when you need it. Okay, welcome back. Um, as I was talking before the break, we wanted to get into kind of the meat and potatoes of what we can offer as coverage for you uh, if you're choosing to exercise your right in a constitutional carry state and 
do this without a permit. Um, this is something that was kind of a bare bones thing when we first started it, and we have really, really added a lot of meat and potatoes to it here recently, and almost brought it up on par with uh, all of our uh, permit plans. <clears throat> um, the cost is $2.99 a year for our uh, constitutional carry plan. Uh, that can be done on an annual payment or you can break that up uh, and do $27 a month. Um, the benefits of this plan um, are amazing. Like Don was saying in the, in the break there, um, the cost of a, of a self-defense is exorbitant. Um, there are so many things that keep coming at you, and if you've never thought about what all it's going to entail, the things that are going to be necessary for you, um, it's just like, you know, I've, I've got an attorney, and I think that's enough. <clears throat> and then suddenly it's like, well, he needs an investigator, and he needs to bring in an expert, and then we've got court costs, and we've, you know, all of a sudden it, it's going to go in front of a, a, a judge or a jury, and uh, you got the jury thing being done, and now we need a jury consultant. We need to have all these things in place to to give us the strongest uh, the strongest group for your defense. Um, with CCW Safe, all of those things are covered up front. We don't we don't do this as. Uh, a reimbursement program where you do all of the the funding of of your case up front and then later we we give you a check for everything you've spent we we cover those costs um, that includes uh, that includes you know go ahead yeah so a couple things on this it's a single person plan so it's good for you if you want to have your spouse it's an add-on you have to live in a state where constitutional carry is the law to apply for it, then it will cover you in the other states as you travel. Right. So that's an important feature on that. Um, you've got all the other acts. It's non-transferable, right? This is your plan. Correct. Um, you can use it in conjunction with your carry plan also if you're in, in another state that can do that. And again, you have to be able to uh, legally own a firearm it covers you in areas that are legal to carry a firearm. So this is not a, I can carry my gun to the airport plan. There's no such thing, right? If you, if you do something silly like that, then you know, it's, you have to, you have to clean that up, but don't do that. This is a, the story of the day. So you have to carry your firearm where it's legal. You have to be in a state that allows, um, that, allows constitutional carry. It's good for you. You can add other people on. It's got a basic level of service, like a $250,000 bond. You can move that up to a million dollars. There's a lot of add-ons. So there's the basic feature, and then you can really enhance this coverage to make it more like your regular defender plans and family plans going forward. Absolutely. Um, as I discussed with you earlier, we, we've had these uh, when we initially came out with this, it only covered you in your home state. Um, now we've increased that to any other states that, that also have constitutional carry and 
have a rep reciprocity with the state that you live in. So if I was constitutional carry in Oklahoma and Texas also has constitutional carry and they recognize Oklahoma as well, I would be covered in Texas as well when I'm on the road. Um, for, Do they have other other states? And I'm asking this out of my ignorance. Under constitutional carry, are there states that offer constitutional carry that don't recognize other states' constitutional carry? I know they don't have, not every state has reciprocity for CCWs, but do they have that on that level? The way it's usually worded is basically resident, non-resident. Yes. So if you are not a resident of the state, some places may not recognize concealed carry. Whereas if you are a resident, you can, can, you can permitless carry other places Basically, if you're legal to own the gun, no matter where you live, it goes yeah. back to that Local giant area. pile of laws to where you got to know where you're at. Right. Um, you know, a good resource for you guys also uh, is concealedcarry.com. Jacob Paulson and his group are really good friends of ours, uh, great affiliate. Um, they do... Uh, pretty continuous upgrading of uh, gun laws and, and maps and things like that. And they have resources available just at the click of a mouse to, to bring up where I can do certain things. So that's usually the first place I go to if I'm traveling and I'm going to look up and, and say, you know, what I have to do when I'm, when I cross over into Missouri and, you know, is there, is there anything differently? Is there a magazine restriction? I, I got to know those things. And, and uh, there's really no sense in us trying to reinvent the wheel. Jacob's guys are amazing, and they usually stay really, really pretty up to date. So uh, his stuff is really current. Something so, I'd like to bring up, sorry, Phil, about uh, the constitutional carry thing. And, mm -hmm. Phil, you mentioned it before we came on that you're going to be doing some training here soon. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know how we reach the constitute the, the new people that will come in that will decide to start carrying a gun because they don't have to go through the permit process. Um, but I just wanted to get you guys to talk a little bit about kind of how vital even just basic training is for somebody that you know may not have carried a gun much before or never carried a gun before. Just basic training on how to draw the gun, how to carry the gun safely, how to, you know, all that stuff. Because for, you know, guys who've done it a long time, like all three of us, that stuff's so basic that you just kind of take it for granted. But there's a lot of people out there that, you know, it's just, it's, you don't know what you don't know. And when you're new to something, you know, it's vital to kind of understand the fundamentals and the basics. So if you guys could kind of talk about like, you know, how, why you think that's important or what to do about it? Well, it's huge. Um, if, if I'm going to open carry that, that is a little, little simpler, a little easier for me. Um, but anything I do, I always need to, to understand and operate and follow the, the four basic safety rules of, of a firearm. Um, but you start adding uh, a holster system into it. I need to understand that I need a good solid belt. I need a good safe holster. Um, 
what is my mission? What am I, what am I really trying to accomplish here? Um, you know, for years I carried as a cop and my stuff had certain things built into it, uh, retention systems and, and lights and other things. As a citizen and just a concealed carrier, that stuff, I, I really don't need all that stuff. Um, but I want something that's comfortable and safe and secure and something I can access easily. Um, if I'm carrying concealed, I need to learn how to clear my garment as I'm, uh, you know, one hand, one hand's moving my shirt while the other hand is establishing a grip on my firearm. Um, I need to be able to do that safely without, uh, you know, coming into contact with the trigger. I, I want to make sure that I don't catch it on, on clothing. Um, Especially reholstering. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to I make sure that, that I'm not, uh, you know, muzzling myself. I don't want to point a gun at myself. Things happen. Um, last, last night at dinner, uh, I was introduced to somebody, and I, we're out here in the Prescott office today, mm -hmm. and he was carrying a knife on his, on his side, but he was carrying it horizontal, Okay, it was, a, it was a fixed blade. He was carrying horizontal handle towards the front, just off of his left hip or his right hip, which it was not a it was a fixed blade. And it was maybe a four inch blade, but it was one of those snug fit sheaths where you just push it in and it's held tight. There wasn't any restraining on it. And as I shook his hand, I looked down and I realized he has lost. You know, obviously, I'm not a, a bad guy, but this guy lost all control of his firearm when he shook my hand because my left hand is right. You know, you, you or not his firearm is his knife. And so the same thing happens if you're carrying um, uh, open carry. You have to be aware of, of how it's on your hip, what your concealment is, what, what are your control of it is. You know, like a Safari Land, we've talked about them before. They have restraints. They have a thumb snap or not a snap or a pressure or a, a grip release, something of that nature that controls it. Because this, this guy, he had, you know, he had no idea how dangerously he was carrying his own knife. And um, the same thing has to go through your mind when you're carrying open carry is, and, and we've talked about this before, you know, you're walking through the grocery store and there's a bad guy comes up behind you, grabs a can of baked beans and smacks you across the back of the head because you weren't aware and you were carrying a big old 1911 on your side uh, with a flap holster you're you're putting yourself at an issue so you really have to up your game on your responsibility training um, your mindset your awareness i mean we had mickey shook on the a couple of times and his his whole focus was your mindset what is your, what's your objective what are you doing and if your objective is to get home safely to your family and your loved ones, then getting home safely means being you know, not 100% paranoid, but being aware of where you put yourself and how you put yourself in different positions. Certainly. And, you know, Justin mentioned it earlier, the, the responsibility of, of carrying a firearm. Um, <clears throat> it, yeah, it, all rights come with responsibilities, right? Absolutely. All rights come with responsibilities. Um, unlike somebody uh, in Washington said that your rights aren't absolute. Yeah, well, we have a right to vote. Oh, wait, that's not absolute. I wanted to bring up one thing. Um, you guys were talking about holsters. And again, going back to newer people is um, 
everything now is appendix carry. And that's a relatively recent shift, I'd say, in the last, at least in popular media and online stuff, maybe four or five years. Right. Um, appendix carries as old as time, but as far as getting more popular um, now, and, and that's something, it goes back to safety as far as, because I've seen more incidents with concealed carriers either shooting themselves or having a negligent discharge in the holstering process. And one of the biggest things is every class I've been to, there's on you guys will vouch for this. There's always that guy on the line who thinks it's a race to get the gun back in the holster. Yep. And that is, uh, it's just dangerous. There's really no other his word name, for it. His name's usually hop along. Cause there's like, he's, he's got a limp <laughs> after a while for some strange reason. But yeah, you know, that's, is. The, the appendix carry is great. And, you know, we all come in different shapes and sizes. Uh, some people are very slim and small. And so, you know, trying to, to hide a, uh, a Glock 34 on their frame is really not going to work out real well. Uh, those of us who uh, ate their vegetables growing up um, <laughs> and, and have, have girth to play with, you can hide things on them. And uh, the other part on appendix carry um, I, I carry appendix carry. Um, it every time I'm just dry firing or whatever, I always have to take my time practicing. And and I've been amazed how many times just in the garage doing this that the t-shirt or something does get involved in reholstering. You know, and and if you have some girth down there, then you may have to physically move yourself so you don't have that issue. But um, Clothing very quickly, just with friction on reholstering process, can slide between the gun and the holster. I mean, you guys are all nodding. You've obviously seen this too. So you have to be critical because it's a little knot of clothing uh, pressed against a trigger as you're pushing it into the holster could give you a heck of a surprise and uh, lose some flesh. One other thing is in colder weather, if you're wearing like a windbreaker or a jacket, if they have zippered pockets, those little zipper pulls, if they're down, um, I've seen those cause some issues. Yeah. But kind of my whole point with bringing that up is just the fact that um, however somebody chooses to carry, and, you know, it makes no difference to me. You're the guy that's carrying a gun. But it's just that basic thing of hand, gun handling, basic, fundamental gun handling that people that are going to walk around that aren't used to carrying a gun all the time, um, I think that's a big deal. And the way that I was taught, the way that I learned, is exactly what Phil was talking about doing in the garage. The way, you, in my opinion, you get better handling a gun is you handle the gun. And, you know, dry fire, dry practice. But specifically, um, don't be quick to get that gun back in the holster. Take your time. Personally, like if I'm when when I'm working open stuff from like a just a belt rig, I'm not as specific about it. But whenever I'm carrying inside the waistband, when I reholster, I look at that holster. Absolutely. I look at it. I make sure it's clear. I make sure my fingers clear and off the trigger, and there's nothing. Tilt it away. Yeah, yeah. I just. Well, and there's. I'm paranoid about that. It, you should be. Yeah. Um, it. It is kind of like what I, what I talk about as far as knowing your mission. Um, if I'm a cop and 
it might be a, a, a time to go hands-on, but I, I can't really divert my attention and my focus. I need to know how to, to locate and just holster. Um, but I'm not clearing garments. I'm not having to go move things out of the way to get to a holster. And even at that, it still takes time and repetition to know where that holster is and know that I can keep an eye on you and I can still get clean and and so let's, now we can go hands-on. But uh, as, as a concealed carrier, I don't have that same mission. I don't have that same responsibility. And if it's only practice, um, that's when I build in those good habits. It, it is the same every single time, just like Justin's saying. You know, I went for decades knowing where my holster was. Now I've gone to the concealed carry world and I'm just like him. I physically look and, and watch that gun into the holster safely. That way I can tell if I got something that's gonna snag and hang up. I clear that garment, I get things out of the way. But it's because I've or built in those good practices. The other part on that, Rob, I think you're making a good point, and I'm glad you brought it up. Um, if you have to use your firearm in defensive use of, in defense of your life or the life of someone else's, um, you if the person has been hit and they're down on the ground, there is no reason for you as a civilian to try and zip tie him or anything else, you don't need to go down there, right? Your right. responsibilities are to call in for first aid um, and, and to secure the area for your safety. And that might mean hanging on to that piece until the police officers come or, or you know, you're telling them on 9-11, hey, I've got a red shirt on, I do have my firearm, I'm, the guy's still, anyway, there's a situation here, but you should not, in my personal opinion, uh, try and reholster and put the guy in an arm bar waiting for the cops to show up. Yeah. No. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one, of the, one of the things I want to point out and, and just touch on, you know, we're talking about these things and, and continuing uh, to, to handle and operate and do the things to be safe. Uh, the fact that I can do uh, concealed or open carry and I can do it without a permit and that kind of thing does not mean that I should just dive headlong into this. Um, it's something that requires a commitment and it requires training no matter what else. Uh, so I don't have to go down and, and do a test or take a class or show a level of proficiency to the state or pay, pay a licensing fee to carry uh, I can do it for free. Um, there is take that money you're saving and yeah. put it into training. Yeah, there there is a responsibility. Um, you know, Justin's run tens of thousands of rounds, and I have. I've yeah. carried a gun for for decades. Um, I've been to three courses this year. Um, it's something that's really vital that we we plug in and we stay sharp. Mm -hmm and we continue to learn and improve our skills, it only makes us safer. It, it makes us uh, more responsible. Um, it, it's just a really important piece of this puzzle. Um, the actual purchase of a gun is kind of the, the least part of the whole thing. Um, embracing 
the responsibilities that that come with carrying that thing are are enormous and and they need to be treated with with great respect so and let's let's just recap let's just recap the constitutional carry plan overview here what this gives you why you actually need it folks so if you have this pro this program you've got access to our 24-hour emergency hotline in which somebody like don west actually answers the phone right that's the most important thing on-site critical response critical response team which is rob high and gary eastridge you get vetting on attorneys if you want to use your own attorney they'll vet them they'll tell you if they think it's a great idea or not no cap on attorney fees, and it's covered up front. This is not a reimbursement. They cover you up front. No cap on investigation fees. This is where the cases usually turn and how well they do investigations and, and uh, expert witnesses. There's also no cap on expert witness fees. All criminal and civil trial costs covered up front again. Civil trial costs covered even if you're found guilty in a criminal trial. Firearm replacement. Up to $250 a day loss of wages while you're at trial and 10 licensed professional counseling services and a few other things on top of that. So basically, if you have to use your firearm in defense of your life, this is going to help you secure your financial future on the other side of it. You've defended your life. Why? Because some Cretan, no offense to the people in Crete, some Cretan put you in that position. You are forced to defend yourself and then you have somebody like chelsea bodine who or or george gascon these these da's that are they're really out there um, against the second amendment you're not going to give them the opportunity to hang you out to dry you have ccw safe on your side and that's the most important thing yeah justin you got any any parting thoughts as we close out today uh yeah just Congratulations to all the people in Ohio. Um, yeah. Constitutional carry takes effect on the 12th, I That's believe. Yeah. Um, and on that day, there'll be available our plan. Everyone in Ohio for the constitutional carry plan will be available to them. Um, hope they take advantage of it. And I hope, you know, we're seeing it more and more across other states. And hopefully it's a trend that continues because I think it's important. I That's too. all I got. Yeah. <clears throat> Phil. All right, guys. Thank you. God bless. I'm going to head out with Fieldcraft Survival this uh, this weekend and do my training so they can yell at me and correct all my bad habits. And uh, we'll be moving forward. Awesome. Safe travels, buddy. Have fun. I uh, want to thank everybody for joining us today. Uh, tune in again next week. Uh, we appreciate everybody. We appreciate your questions, comments, suggestions. Uh, and you can always reach me direct at rob at ccwsafe.com. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next time. God bless.